The Weekly Dish podcast is brought to you by Lakewinds Co-op in Minnetonka, Chanhassen, and Richfield with delivery from Instacart. There's no membership required to shop at Lakewinds. All are welcome. Check out lakewinds.com, and if you can't make it to a Lakewinds, please visit your local food co-op in the neighborhood near you. Dish. Thank you for joining us and on uh, this gorgeous Saturday morning. And it is 2020. We are here in 2020. Are you going to get used to that yet? Yes, I'm used to it. You're used to it? By the way, don't sign things like, you know how you go like 1 slash 19 slash 20 or something like yep. that for January 19th? <laughs> I have friends who are like, I'm just going to go ahead and put like 19s or 18s on the back of the 2020 like to mess with everybody's stuff. So write 2020 out is my point. Okay. I have weird friends. Sorry. That was like a whole topic of conversation last night. Um, guess what? It's time for top two in hour two. But I'll get in the old one, two, one, two, one, two. And now the weekly dish presents top two, top two. The top two. Pick your best two. In hour two. All right. Give me two. Winning, winning, winning. All right. That's the time of the day that we talk about the things, a couple of things that maybe we are slightly obsessed with or fixated on from the week. Or the past two weeks for us. Uh, are you ready or do you want me to I know go? No, I'm ready. Okay, go ahead. Okay. Cherubs, shrubs. Okay. Is my number one. Is your number um, one? These are Minnesota made shrubs. This guy named Alex is really crafty in how he puts these together. There's an apple rosemary, a strawberry, and an Asian pear ginger cardamom. I also like Dorothy Stainbrook's Heath Glen Farms shrubs. Okay. These are a little different. They're less sugary. They're more vinegary. Yeah. But they're more um, cocktail forward. But I've been, this apple rosemary, I've been drinking with soda water. And it's just very refreshing. I get that good lucky feeling when I drink it. Like I'm doing something a little less than, or a little more than just soda water. Yeah. And I just really like them. Um, you can find them at uh, a lot of liquor stores. France 44, Certix, Village Liquor, Thomas Liquor, South Lindell Liquors. I'll put a link up. Um, but they're Sherub's Shrubs. Sherub Shrubs. I love them. To aid you in your uh, dry, dry January, January thoughts. Um, somebody was asking about the CBD water, by the way. What was the brand name? Five Watt Coffee makes that CBD water. And... I really need to figure this out. I th- you can get it, I think, at the five watts. Yeah. Well, if they 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 have distribution, so if it isn't out there already, it might be. And connect with them on Facebook because I think it might be in like some Whole Foods even. Yeah. It's CBD water, and it's really interesting. By five watt, it By says five, five watt. watt. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, uh, my first one is going to be Ufta at Travail, which is what is happening, which is the the next and final installment of their residency in Lowry Hill. Um, I have to tell you that Karen Tomlinson is one of my favorite, you know, chefs locally. She was at Corner Table mm-hmm. before it closed. Um, she was obviously one of the Cochon, so she's the queen of pork. But she also spent a winter cooking at Favicon in Sweden. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that she's really got is, you know, her her Swedish grandmother, her background, you know, with sort of Nordic cooking is 
really interesting. And she's playing it out at Travail with this multi-course deal. And it's fun because it's not, you know, there's some jello salad. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's definitely Midwestern comfort food. And, you know, it's not this, like, high ideal uh, of stuff. But it's really delicious and it's really fun. Those Travail dinners, just as a rule, are very fun. Yeah. And, I mean, just, we, there was, you know, the, you get the smorgasbord. And there was a lot of good stuff there. And then we had, like, cured locks on, you know, kind of things. Cured salmon on top of little rye toasts and they had Swedish meatballs and so it if was you're looking for a delicious. good food experience that's unique and different what is it called it's not Travail restaurant it's called what is the name of the pop-ups that they call them it I don't I don't know your it's Ufta is what this one is okay. called so and like Solera in Uptown yeah it's at Lowry Hill Thank it's you. in Lowry Hill it's it was in the old Araga space and they've been doing that for a year now and you can find it tickets on their website yep, it's a ticket Collective. at dinner it's yep. super fun and and I would say that like you sit at a table it's a you know at a big table and like if it's you and another couple you're kind of on one end of the table but you always end up you know talking with your yeah, peeps I yeah. don't know it's just been a lot of fun so I would definitely recommend Ufta at Travail. Okay, my next thing is something that my friend cooked, and I'm going to make it tonight for a dinner party because I loved it so much. It's from that cookbook that you really liked around holidays that we recommended a lot, the Allison Roman oh, the fancy. Um, Unfussy Food for Having People Over. Yeah, the fancy, or wow, can't even come up with it. Whatever that's what it it's called, isn't it? Nothing fancy. Nothing fancy, that's it. Yesterday, having not cooked enough, I don't know why, but I felt like, oh, I have an open Saturday night, I'm going to throw an impromptu dinner party. And I'm going to make pork because I have a whole freezer full of it. So my friend over New Year's Eve made this um, braised pork with sesame and egg yolk and kimchi. But he made it a little bit different. So he braised the pork with kimchi in like a Korean sauce. And then you make like a bowl out of it. And like she puts then an egg in the bowl, sesame seeds, some watercress, he just kind of served it like a stew. Yeah. So I'm going to serve it like that with some things that you can sprinkle on. But then also I'm going to make some soy sauce and rice vinegar smashed cucumbers. Okay. And I'm going to do like a Korean thing tonight. This sounds delicious. Yeah. And just like a big hearty like bowl of it for everybody to kind of make their own. Yeah. So this is what I'm doing tonight. I'll put the recipe up. Um, just I'm going to modify it. But it's basically pork stewed in kimchi. Okay. Yeah, it's, it was really good. I have to tell you that I basically use a couple of her. So my second one is going to actually kind of parlays into this. So I'll go with that. Sure. Is so and this is sort of a, um, it's sort of an homage to our next, our coming in guest, Yia Vang, who, uh, we have eaten with him and he's done these, he's kind of pioneered these feasts, these Kamayan feasts in the Twin Cities. He's Think been, of it like a giant graze board, he, but. On banana leaves. Right. So I, so I, for burn party, I decided I was basically going to do a white girl Kamayan feast. And so I ran a big old craft paper, you know, down the center of my table, big brown packing paper. And I covered my table in that. And then I threw a whole bunch of stuff in the middle of it. And some of it was, I basically had ham from our Nettle Valley Farms ham. Is this on your Instagram? Maybe. I don't know. I didn't. I don't know if I caught it. Okay. Um, but I think I don't know if other people did. But 
I put ham and roast beef and chicken, pulled chicken, on a big silver tray in the middle. And then I did around it. It wouldn't be on the action. It would have been a story, if anything. I didn't actually take a picture of it. Yum. It sounds amazing. And then I put a whole bunch of buns. So I had a huge bowl of brioche slider buns. And then I did sandwich fixings around it. So then I had like hot mustards. I had a horseradish sauce. I had blue cheese. And then I put like Rush Creek Reserve cheese like right on the table. And then I scattered, you know, pretzels and crackers and dried apricots and pistachios and everything around the table. And then I had like marinated artichoke hearts that I marinated myself from an Allison Roman recipe. I had a sesame turmeric dip. I had... um, This sounds epic. I know. And so you could spread... And then I had like hard-boiled eggs and I had cucumbers and I had, you know, romaine lettuce just there. So in case you wanted to make yourself like a sandwich out of lettuce instead of bread. And so I sort of made this thing and it was in my mind. It was the same idea as that Kamayan thing where you just get in with your hands. I didn't have... I didn't have utensils. It wasn't a thing. You were supposed to just sort of eat it and standing there. And they did. And everybody did. And it was it was a lot of fun. And I thought about it having three kinds of meats, but also vegetables marinated. You know, I mean, I had jars of like olives and marinated red peppers and just and you could eat that the same like on its own or you could make a sandwich or you could make yourself a little salad if you wanted to. I love this idea. And I I feel very neglected that I can't (laughs) see it because all I want is you to show me a picture of it. I know. Look in your phone. I was drinking and hosting. And that was a point (laughs) of not having. Okay, did Heather Manley take a picture? Come on, Heather. But burn party is also a little bit like not it's not about that. It's yeah, a, it's I mean, about like, we community. don't have a no posting thing, but it's a little bit like, yeah, you know, it's a little bit like be in the moment. Yeah, that's hard for me. I know. Uh, that was going to be my resolution for this year, but I knew I couldn't do it, so why bother? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to look at the world through my phone, right. and it's a pretty nice picture. Yeah. No, I would say that, yeah. So that was my top two in hour two. And I, 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 and I, I think in a lot of people, you know, just like our friend who just called and she's having a tacky party tonight, I would just encourage like this year to not stress about like literally you guys i cut up a couple cucumbers and put them on a plate with a bunch of microgreens salt and pepper and they were gone yeah everybody and like the i hard boiled a dozen eggs and cut them in half no i did not (laughs) because it was not i needed the space but i did them in i did them in four minutes and then i just peeled them cut them in half and they were gone. You know what I mean? Like everybody had a good time and it wasn't, no one was like, oh, this is so pedestrian. Yeah. Like embrace the simplicity of some stuff. And just put out some pimento cheese and crackers. Your friends will be very happy. Get a rotisserie chicken, pull it apart, put it in a, on a plate with some lettuce, radishes. Oh yeah, we had the butter. We I used the rest of the butter that they oh, gave us. Oh, the butter that you ate a half a round oh, of God, it sitting in front of me and then got silent. Yes, butter, si- <laughs> butter, butter silence. Butter, radishes, salt, really good salt. Those kind of things. And you don't have to stress. Like, I enjoyed my party. Like, I got to talk to people. Yeah. And and also, here's the other thing. When I had 25 people in this space, there was no room to have the stove on. Yeah. Everything would have been hot and gross and then packed and, like, trying to get to the hot. And I, I would have worried about keeping things hot. Nothing was perfect. Yeah. So there you go. That's there good entertaining right there, friends. White girl, come on I hope that <laughs> I hope that I'm okay with, by saying that. <laughs> we'll be back with you, Vang. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Weekly Dish. And uh, we are so excited to be in a new year talking about food trends and talking about 
things that are happening and what to look forward to, right? And yes. so we are so excited to be joined by someone who is kind of setting a new bar. Yeah, we don't mean to blow smoke up your butt, but yeah. you might be a food trend in and of yourself. In and of yourself. Stop it. I- <laughs> this is Ye Vang. We do. We have Ye Vang from Union Monk Kitchen. And you let out some beautiful news yesterday that I think has gotten everybody jazzed, which is the fact that you are, you're going to open an actual restaurant. Yeah. Yep. We, uh, we uh, brick and mortar. I, I call it brick and mortar. I decided yeah, to not call them brick and mortars. Do you, do you know why I call it brick and mortar? Because when you've done pop ups and residency yes. stuff, as long as it, it's just nice to be like, hey, like we have something that's not gonna move. That right. You know, if, I'm calling it for you. Listen, rooted restaurant. <laughs> rooted restaurant. That's, that's what nice. I'm gonna call it instead yeah. of mobile. Rooted yeah. restaurant. Way to create something that no one will know what you're talking about. <laughs> they will. They <laughs> will. Like vegetables. No. What? Yeah. They Roots? will. Yeah. They will know. <laughs> Yeah, so we, you know, we always just call it brick and mortar because we knew what we were always like, you know, traveling. You know, we just jokingly always called the homeless kitchen. You know, <laughs> yeah. um, that's funny. I like yeah. that one. I know. It definitely was. Well, you were you for so mm-hmm. for you guys. If you haven't, you know, gotten to experience mm-hmm. Union Monk Kitchen, it's you were doing pop ups. You started mm-hmm. as a pop ups, yep. you know, idea, and you were working in other restaurant kitchens. Yep. And you cook St. Paul, or you do stuff like that, mm-hmm. and then and then you finally got a residency mm-hmm. at Sociable Cider yep. Works, and you've been there for almost a, a year. It's, it's a year, January second. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and so you've been cooking out of there, but still, that's you know your yeah. the tap room hours, and you're yep. kind of there's a lot of other things that make it not your space, obviously. Yeah, I mean, I don't get me wrong, I love it there. Yeah. Those guys are awesome. They're great. But, but what we really had, like, what we did was like we we have the trailer we work out of, and then you actually just have to build outside so we have our grill outside our smokers outside it's under a 10 by 10 tent yeah. regardless of the weather you know food's <laughs> gotta get cooked so i was there on a snowy slushy oh, yeah. day and He's, you guys are like out there yep. and it's the wind is beating down and the yeah. smokers are yep. going and then and what we i tell the boys is like look this is like on our worst day like if this is it then like we're good yeah like, yeah you know like it's all right. up from so, here yeah it's, yeah it's like <laughs> It's like, you know, when we get heat, it's like, oh, my gosh, that's so awesome. Like, it's warm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Your benchmark has been set. Yeah, it is. But so you have always wanted to do a restaurant. That's always been the goal. Yeah, it's been the goal. When we started the pop-up, I'll be honest, when we started the pop-up, that wasn't like something I was like, oh, that's what we're shooting for. It was like, well, let's just see what happens, you know? And then eventually as... Um, I've been deterred a lot from a lot of people not to do, yeah. a, you know, an actual brick and mortar restaurant. Um, but I think a lot of them was out of good intention because, yes. you know, it's like, then they give me the stats, you know, what's the failure rate? How yeah. much is it going to, and, and I understand that, you know, um, you, you, you know, I've been cooking since I was like 16, 17 and like, you know, kind of growing up in the restaurant world. So you, you get to see a little bit, I got to, you know, work with some really great chefs and you learn a lot from them. You glean a lot from them. And then, you know, a lot of times just sitting down with other chefs, you know, you learn a lot of what not to do. Right. Where they're like, hey, we made these mistakes. So, you know, like, avoid these. So yeah. It's, it's, it's been good. And I have a great, I call them our creative team. So we have a great creative team around us that, um, you know, I, I gave this analogy the other night. And I said, you know, okay, you know the, the, those people that get caught, like, when they go climbing and they, like, break their leg and anything, and then the helicopter has to come in, the rescue team has to come in, and they bundle them in, in a little bundle, yep, you know? Yep. And then, like, like evac them out. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that around our our uh, our creative team. I feel so taken care of and, oh, like, bundled. Wow. You know, and we're like, okay, he's ready. Get yeah, him up let's there. go, let's okay, go, let's go. go. And then I'm, like, in the air, like, flying across <laughs> the mountain, like... 
that's how I feel all the time when the creative teams around me they're like, okay, you got to take care of this. Okay, here, what about this? And so I, I feel that supported. Yeah, so I feel yeah. that on the side of like the food aspect, we have a great team there. Um, I, you know, I got Mike with me there, and he's he's killing it, man. I I love him. He's you know he's uh, formerly of uh, Lat 14 and uh-huh. um, Lexington. Oh yeah, yeah. So he's just. I mean, he's just a, he's a killer. And he's so incredible. let's talk about, so first of all, let's give us the name of the new place. Yeah. Um, the name is Vinai. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we, we had a few people that were like, hey, how do you pronounce it? And Vinai. So when you say the word Vinai in, uh, to Hmong people, we all know. You all know. Yep. Uh, Vinai is a refugee camp um, in Thailand from um, 75 to 92. Uh, in that camp, there was about 60,000 people that came through in uh, that time frame. Out of those 60,000 people, 90% of them were Hmong. Out of those 90%, a lot of those, out of that 90% of the Hmong people ended up here in the Midwest. So when crazy. so as a kid growing up, I, I was born there. That was you know the, the refugee camp I was born in. My parents met there in seventy seven. They got married in seventy eight. They were there until eighty eight. We were I was born in eighty four. Um, Do you have good feelings about this? Because I would think a refugee camp would be kind of a negative feeling. Yeah. So you know it. So if you understand the history of our people and what happened after the war, this refugee camp was a it was almost a symbol of hope. You know, and it is a symbol of restart. So, you know, I've heard stories about how the camp was so big that, you know, there would be these, uh, there would be these families that are like, yeah, like my husband was killed during the war, everything happened. And then they realize, like, wait a minute, you know, that on the other side of the camp, there's this person with that name. I think, and then they've been there for years, yeah, not knowing, not knowing. So there was this like sense of hope, like if we can make it there, then maybe we can get registered and we can work with the case officer and we can come to America. Okay. And it was a sense of, and, and, and as tough it is, like as I talked to my parents, as tough it it was there, they would always say like it was better where we it was better there than where where we came you had been. Even. Yeah. So it was like a place of rebirth. Yeah, refuge. Yeah. You know, yeah, and, refuge. And, and yeah. that that really instills into the ethos of the restaurant. Yeah. Where, where I really, you know, what we're, what we're really trying to say with the restaurant is, hey, I don't care what happened that day at work. I don't care the stress. Like, you put that at the door when you come in. Oh, that's You beautiful. come in and we take care of you. When this you come in, this is a place refuge. of refuge. This is a place of restart. Like, if the only thing we can do is fill your stomach, then that's what we're going to do. Ugh. And make sure that you're okay. It kind of makes you tear up, doesn't it? This so, one has got a lot of emotions. Yeah. <laughs> so, it, it, it's definitely, that's all part of the ethos of what we're trying to build there in the, in the kitchen culture, in the front of the house culture, in the when you come in, we we want to take care of you. Talk about monk food. Like, what do what do yeah. people know about it, and what do they not know about it? So, I think monk food has this kind of you know, quote unquote, like pan Southeast Asian kind of mentality to it, and so mm-hmm. it's always like, you know, like we've people have always said, oh, monk food is this, but it's not. It's this, but it's not. And I, I really, you know, it took probably the last four years where I'm really just trying to break it down and say, what is it? And what we've really come to the conclusion is like Hmong food isn't a type of food. It's a philosophy of food. So it's actually the heart of it is what makes Hmong food Hmong food. And the great thing about the Hmong people is no matter where we've been in all through history, we've been able to glean from the land and from the people around and, and learn from them and taking that to, um, to forge into our own culture. And so um, coming here, being here in the Midwest, being up here in the North, like we use, I use food, my mom and dad, we use food differently than, you know, the Hmong people there out in Fresno or Sacramento right. or the ones out, you know, um, in Florida, like just because of the terroir, because of what's around us. Right. And so 
to, to, to say that, oh, Hmong food is this one way. Well, like, yeah, that was the way they did it in the hills of Laos because that's what they had. Right. And there's still that nostalgia, you know, right. there's still that there's still that nostalgia dish that we do, you know, and once in a while. But overall, it's um, Hmong food is Hmong food because it's made by Hmong hands, you know, and. And so that's what's really cool. And that's what we really try to explain that to the younger generation where it's like, um, you know, uh, there's this thing that I said, which I didn't realize I said it because like uh, Rose, our designer, like wrote it down. And I'm like, oh, Rose, this line's really great. And she's like, yeah, you know, you said that to me. I'm like, oh, (laughs) really? But I didn't realize I said it. But what what I always think about is that um, we are an echo of the past and now we get to write our future. Yeah. And so I, I think about that. I think about like we are the echo of the past mm-hmm. of our fathers and our grandfathers, our mothers and our grandmothers. But now we get to like for the first time in Hmong history, in, in, in history, we get to write our own future. Yeah. And you look at in the community here in the Twin Cities, you look at, um, you know, some of the um, some of the like the councilmen or people who are involved in politicians, the people, all these Hmong legislators that are coming up and they, they get to make a change. They get to say, hey, we get to speak for our people for the first time because because in Laos and Thailand, a lot of them didn't. Yeah. You know? So right. you get this rebirth. This yeah. is exciting. And I am so excited to find this expression. And we're going to be able to find it through food mm-hmm. in this new restaurant. Vinay. 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 Vinay coming in 2020. Yep. Thanks for being here. Yeah. Stay Thank tuned you. for all the details. I'm sure Steph will break them first. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, Dishers. It's Stephanie Hansen. You know I'm a co-op shopper, and I would love it if you were, too. When I go to Lakewind's Co-op... I know that I can find my Peterson grass-fed beef, my pastures of plenty pork, and my cottage on delicious free-range chickens. And when you're shopping at Lakewinds, it might surprise you to know that they've done all the work for you because they evaluate everything that comes into their doors. Their product standards require their products to have no artificial colors or flavors, no artificial sweeteners, no growth hormones. They are entirely in a safe environment for you, so they've done all the work and you can just go shopping. Lakewinds is in Minnetonka, Hassan, and of course, I shop their Richfield store, but there's no membership required. Everyone's welcome to shop at the co op. And if you don't live or work near Lakewinds, you can find the co op that's nearest you. And I hope that you love it as much as I do because really, co op shopping is where it's at for me. I love the experience and I love Lakewinds. And you can now order through Instacart. Welcome back to the weekly dish. We are here. That is uh, talking to Yia Vang and uh, talking about his restaurant that it's not announced where it's going to be yet. Nope. Vinai. But just getting Vinai. his story. Vinai. Vinai. Thank you. Vinai. I don't know. I'm gonna, it's, we're going to have to work on that. I know. Vinai. I think it's Vinai. I think he said Vinai. Okay. V as <laughs> we'll in. We'll work on it. We'll work okay. on it for you Got guys. Got the V. In any case, um, we may see some closures this year. It's going to be a tough year, I think, for the restaurant industry. So that felt like some hopeful news as yeah. we move forward. And let's be clear, this is closing season. So, I mean, a lot of places closed just because of the fact that they get through the holidays and they try to make as much money as they can. But then maybe necessarily they can't go onward. So, yeah, because this is, you know, January and February tend to be a little bit tougher. I felt good that the last couple of weeks have been so mild in terms of weather. Yeah, I did Because that gives people... You guys, last winter was rough for, I mean all of us, but for restaurants specifically. And I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that the weather was so hard, there were so many snowstorms and people decided to bite squat it. Like There was delivery was just much more of an urban decision to make and people didn't want to leave the suburbs. So 
that was a tough one for a lot of restaurants. I heard it across the board. Yeah. So with the fact that they're facing the minimum wage hike and other things, it's just, you know, I mean, just remember that if you have a place that you love and you think it's struggling, go visit. Yeah. Go visit. All right. Back to some food trends. We're just back to on wrap the food up. trends. Yeah. Because yep. Steph had a segment about trends. I think a lot of the trends we covered, but there's um, so many though. There are. Here yeah. is one that I'm really interested in, and I picked it for you because I thought we could talk about it, is dry Rieslings. Yeah. So Rieslings is, Riesling is a grape. It is uh, grown in Germany and Austria and sort of those cooler climates. And mm-hmm. they tend to load the Riesling wines with lots of sugar. Yeah. But there's this new idea that we can have dry Rieslings, and people are excited about some of the dry Rieslings that are coming out. So I'm interested in that because I like that grape, yeah, but I don't love all the sugar, so I don't drink it very much. Yeah, no, there are some beautiful Rieslings out there. Um, um, and some of the Austrian wines I have really enjoyed. When yes. I was in Austria, I drank a lot of Riesling, and I had no idea like the variety and the complexity of it. Because I'm not really a big white wine drinker, because most of the white wine I drank was either Chardonnay, which I'm not a fan of. Right. Pinot Gris or Pinot Grigios, which I do like in the summer, but they can tend to be a little grapefruity. Yeah. Um. So anyways, look for the dry Rieslings. Okay. We talked all about like plant-based meats are, you know, the big deal and we're going to be eating so much plant-based. But then there's like to every trend, there's a reaction to a trend, right? Mm-hmm. And big beef is coming back. What do you mean? Big tomahawk chops. Oh. Like big cuts, big communal eating pieces of beef where you put a giant slab in the middle of the table. Yeah, and they then... call that large format. If you ever see the words large format beef, that's what that is. Okay. Yeah. Large format. I large like format. It. Yep. Yep. Um, we're going to continue to see. I'm sorry to say. And can I just quickly yeah. go back to the just in a, and to understand why that's also actually eating less because you're not getting your own steak. We're not all getting a tomahawk. We get one for the table and then. Um, so you're going to have like two bites and then a lot of like, sides. Yeah, you share it. Yep. And so then it's I like eating like that. Yeah. It's not so much of a giant thing. So go ahead. Sorry. Uh, hard seltzers are still going to be. We have another year of those apparently. Yeah. And they're actually, I think some of them are better than when they first came out. They were all a little cloying and tasted like chemicals. Yeah. Some of them are better. Um, I think Liftbridge does a good job locally on the hard seltzer scene. I think Fulton's are best. Actually, Bauhaus is best. They're Bolo. I think I liked that, that a lot. That one is when good. I had and it. I don't, I'm like, I just don't prefer them. I don't know why. I like seltzer. I drink a ton of LaCroix. LaCroix. But I don't. Like, I don't like, yeah, I love that, but I don't love hard seltzers. Do you like the LaCroix that are flavored? Like, not just the pomplamousse, but the one that's like pear, citra, blah, blah, blah. I don't blah, go blah. too crazy on it. Yeah, no. those long, tall, skinny no. cans. I mean, I like the, yeah, I like the lime and strawberry lime one, I guess. Okay. Here's something I would like for you to research for me. Okay. I read or heard that LaCroix has a lot of, like, sodium in it. Yeah, somebody said that too. And when there, you no, drink there's them, no sodium in it. There's they make no you sodium. thirsty though. What it's is not about it? Sodium. It's what a, is it? It's it's there's a preservative in them. I believe that it does. It doesn't quench your thirst. Look, no, it does not quench. It your makes thirst. you thirsty. Yeah. That's exactly my point. I know. Okay, you've heard. But this. it's not sodium. It's not sodium. Okay, yeah. so you know this though. This is yeah. a thing. Well, I mean, it is true. If you, it's true, you don't. You're not quenched by Lacroix. No, you like want to drink more. Yeah. Okay. Weird chemicals. Yeah. Uh, communal eating is a trend. So we kind of just talked about that with the large format beef situation. Yeah. Kamayan feast would be an example yeah. of that. Or your white girl feast where you're putting a giant piece of pork in the middle of the table with little sides for people for pulling and sharing. Um, how about this one? We're going to see 
chicken sandwich domination, which is going to continue between like the Popeyes and the Burger Kings and McDonald's is like the president of McDonald's was quoted as saying the chicken sandwich is where this war is going to be won. 80% of people love chicken sandwiches and will order chicken sandwiches and want them on the menu. Um, well, I think that, <sighs> are you a chicken sandwich? I know you like them. I like them too. Yeah, Who doesn't? Right? But, I know. <laughs> but think about that from McDonald's standpoint for a second, that they don't have chicken sandwich domination. It's kind of surprising. Well, but they haven't, they haven't put any of their weight, their considerable weight behind it. They if should. you think about that, have they even had a chicken sandwich? Yes, but it's not, it's like, meh. And then they kind of had a series of like craft chicken sandwiches, but they were meh. Really, I don't. Yeah, they've not I, I, had a home you run. Get McDonald's is so out of my purview. Like, I don't even. But I, I do think that there is. I think that the chicken sandwich is more than a chicken sandwich. It's there's. It's it's it. It's a fascination. It's a it's a marketing point. It's a thing. It's not just. Oh, this is a tasty chicken sandwich. I'm gonna make a prediction on chicken sandwiches. You ready for it? Yeah. Where McDonald's is going to win, because the new thing that we're seeing is chicken sandwich iterations for breakfast. So Wendy's has like a honey butter chicken biscuit. Mm-hmm. I think that McDonald's could have like something with the egg McMuffin, the chick McMuffin, the chicken biscuit. Like, I think that's where they could win. Okay. In mornings. I mean, basically, here's the deal. They're all, everyone's going after Chick-fil-A because it, it, it snuck to a major, it's a very profitable giant company. I can't ever eat there. I don't. Yeah, it's my politics. I, I but I mean, I you know what? To me, it's harder because I think. Well, I won't get into the fact of the fact of that we don't actually know much about it. We just hear something on the web and then we go, "Okay, I yeah. can't do that." No, I know. So I'm a, that that's me. me I'm a clickbaiter. I yeah. see it. I go, "Whoop! Can't eat there." Right. So, um, I think though that the the idea of the chicken sandwich and the Popeyes revolution and everything else. I, I, what I worry about is the weird fascination people get. I weir, I, I worry about the mob culture around it. Where like you have to get that chicken sandwich and yeah, then you, and get you have angry to get it because it's a limited there. edition. And all of that, I don't, I don't like that around food because it fetishizes food. And then we get into a space where what is, you know, it's it's taking food and making it into a weird drug, and I don't like that. Okay, uh, how do you feel about the, We're seeing this even in the Twin Cities. These transformative spaces. So restaurants that create memories that aren't just with food, but also the concept of the space. So we've seen Freehouse doing the igloos in Montreal. They're like lifting people up on a crane. Yeah. Like all of these crazy food experiences in Colorado. There's like um, food as entertainment space. So you're seeing like a massive TV, uh, um, outdoor patios, uh, vibrant atmosphere, backyard games, like all of this entertainment aspect with food being kind of secondary. Yeah. That's coming. Okay. Um, kind of, I suppose. Entertainment. Like, I yeah, mean, like entertainment, like Top Golf. Same, there's more of that. Yeah. Coming. And I think that that is a, I mean, that's Rainforest Cafe is the one who started yeah, that. Yeah, it was. So, like, why not? Of course it's going to keep going. Uh, how do you feel about, like, having an app where you pay for your food at your restaurant on your phone? So, speeding up the experience of dining. So, Full technology service restaurants where you place your order on the pad, you get your bill on a tablet, and you can pay on your phone and just do it right all there at your table. I don't, I don't, it depends. Is this, is it, is it like a sports bar? Is it, 
So I don't mind it if it's a fast casual place. Actually, no, if it's like everything is on a pad and there's no human interaction other than they just drop your food and walk away. Because I don't like that at the airport. No. And you'd think that would be the place where it would succeed. Um, and I think it has succeeded at the airport. I hate it there. I think, but I think there, I, I don't mind that. I don't need that. Like, but if I'm, you know, there's that burger place sort of in Kingfield area. I can't remember what it's called. Um, and it's, it's, it feels weird there. I don't like it. There's like nobody, it doesn't feel like there's, and here's the other thing. There's like weird dudes like standing by the tap wall. And so they like, it feels like they're the ones who are managing, providing the vibe of the place. And I don't like that. Um, We call them robot restaurants and we don't like them. Okay, because that's actually another trend is the back of the house um, seeming like almost like what happened with Revolution Hall, where we have a concept where we can deliver multiple concepts, but it's ghost kitchen. We're going to supposedly see more of that. They call those ghost kitchens. It's a failure. I think so, too. It failed here. I mean, I don't know. I think I think people, if you're talking about experiences and millennials wanting more experiences and maybe the boomers wanting more connection, that ain't it on either side. Yeah, you're you're not actually getting an experience just because it has a pretty face to it. You're not actually feeling that soul of what that is. Like when you go to the food hall at Gray's, the rectangle, the thigh times and the soul food and all those guys, those they're there. They're like greeting you and talking to you. Right. Um, and same with potluck. Yeah. Same, similar experience. Okay. Are you thinking like vegan annuary or veganism as a moment? Um, you mean like, like going plant-based entirely for like a month or something? Yes. That they're saying that's that's a trend. Yeah. I think that that's, I mean, seed cafe, which is in, uh, uptown area, they're doing a 30 day thing right now where they're like, you have, there's like a 30 day go vegan, like eat plant-based kind of promotion. And you get, you join this thing and you're on the board and there's encouragement and you get stickers and at the end you get points. And so by the end you could maybe win something for, I am so revolted by that whole concept. It just sounded like you were describing, I could just totally go off on that. I've never heard of such a thing. It's like a daycare for food. If you want to eat vegan or you have veganism as your lifestyle. How is this different than January, my love? I don't know, but it feels disgusting to give me a sticker because I decided not to eat meat today. They're, Okay. Like, are they going to... I don't gonna... understand. Like, your revolt is so oh, weird because yes. it's like, you're the, you're, you do the 30 whole... I know. You've done it's whole not, 30. What's I the don't difference care. from that? I don't want you to treat me like a juvenile because you're giving me stickers and good potty because I ate vegan. I'm, okay. Veganism seems like it's your lifestyle. That's something no, that you do a, for yourself a... or your religion or whatever personal feelings you have about it. I have no problem if you want to eat vegan. No problem if you want to do it for 30 days. But what a marketing gimmick to give me stickers stickers and put me on a board i feel like it's orange theory all over again no thank you okay uh i think it's this i'm so surprised by this i, I don't even know how to react to this because it's so intense like from a, you and it's so out of your usual thing. yeah because you are all for the whole 30 you're all for you know these kind of things all right when we come back we're gonna wrap up with the moral of the story and i think this could be part of it when we come back on the weekly dish Wow, we have really been trying to unpack this during the break. It says a lot more about me than any of you. To be clear, I have no problem with people eating vegan. I have no problem with you deciding what's good for you. I really, I think if you want to be a vegan, cool, great, whatever. The problem I have... She's got stickers problem. ...is like with the marketing machine behind the stickers, the chart, the patting you on the head when you do something. It's the same reason I was explaining to Stephanie why I won't do Orange Theory... 
I don't want to like do Peloton where I'm in like the top five because I'm so competitive. Yeah. That it immediately goes into that I'm not good enough because I'm not doing it right or I'm not competing right and I didn't get the sticker. And so that's what that whole reaction is about. To be clear, it's not about being vegan or a whole 30 or whatever you're doing. You do you. That's how I want to end this segment. And how I'm moral of the story is you do you. What makes you feel good? What makes you feel whole? Makes you feel like your best self? I'm all about that. Yes. But don't give me a sticker when I'm doing it because I'm going to stand up and be like, take your sticker back. Right, right. Well, you just won't be in a place where there are stickers available. No, I don't. Like, honestly, Orange Theory is a good example. Like, I cannot get a good workout at Orange Theory with good conscience because I'm competing with everyone in there, and that just makes me feel bad. I don't want to do that. Yeah. No, I hear you. So. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And it's also, I like, I run outside because, you know, I can be in my space and not be distracted by other people and their other things. And And if I was, like, in a car next to you timing you and going, Steph, you could go five seconds faster. If you went five seconds faster, you can join our special running club. We have special shoes. You'll get discounts and we've got stickers. Well, I might like shoes, though. (laughs) (laughs) I do need a new pair of running shoes, so maybe I would do that. That'd be fine. I might give you, what size are you? I would give you my old pair and encourage you. Really? Can I have your old pair of sneakers? I haven't hardly used them. Okay. They're like almost brand new. No, I can go buy my own new pair of shoes. I just want to give you mine so that someone gets <laughs> use out of them. Because it makes me feel sad <laughs> to look at them. <laughs> okay, let's talk about the health inspection reports that are gone on. Yeah. Okay, here's the deal, you guys. I don't know if you heard this, but the health inspector, they have decided to post health inspection reports for restaurants. Now, granted, across the country and over time, this is not new. You know, New York, or is it New York or California that has the A and the Bs? Like, they have to post I feel the, like California. I feel like that might but be But New York has it, I think, too. Yeah. So, I mean, and there have been places that have been doing, I think Dallas has, you know, health inspections online. And so this is not like a revolutionary thing, but it's new here. And uh, interestingly enough, they put up the site that has a tool that you can search for restaurants and see what their inspections are. And it got so much traffic the first day it went up that it crashed. Like, I couldn't get into it at all. And they're like, sorry, (laughs) it's just having issues. Now, here's the deal. Now, you know, I advocate for both restaurants and eaters. Mm -hmm. Like, that's my job is that I see that as my mandate as a food magazine editor. And so I think about that all the time. And I just don't know how I feel about this. I'm very worried about it because I feel that in our marketing clickbaity, you know, sort of culture, that people are going to take the worst of everything and blow it way out of proportion and then spread it across the universe without any knowledge underneath it. And that is what they're going to do. And they're not going to care to understand about food codes and what anything means. And they're just going to basically sample and spray. Oh, my God. Someone's chicken was not at this temperature on this date. These people are unsafe. And it may be like they just didn't have like the right... You know, like eight, not eight inches, but like seven inches, you know, above the floor. I don't know. I'm worried about it. And I haven't chatted with everybody to find out like the restaurant people, how they're feeling about it. But I wonder about it. And sometimes people get um, like you. The inspector comes in. He finds a violation. She finds a violation. And then you have the opportunity to correct it. And then they come back to see if it got corrected. Well, and it says that on the page. But how many people actually read all those words on that page? And how many of you like literally, literally know, like not every violation in a kitchen is going to create like foodborne illness or right. create some, some something bad to happen. Right. And sometimes like let's just talk about like if you like E. coli scare, for example, you know, it comes in on lettuce, comes in on uh, romaine that comes in from the coast. Like you can be the cleanest restaurant in the world. And if you get bad lettuce, 
It's bad lettuce. Yeah. So it doesn't take into consideration any of that kind of stuff, yeah. which is where most of those foodborne illnesses are yeah. really taking root. Yeah. So I feel like, yeah, I guess more information is better, but please use the information responsibly and don't be that publication that is going to write like the top 10 dirtiest restaurants. I will never. I don't need to do that. Um, But I also think there's something about inspectors tend to have, I mean, favorites. Well, there's a leeway. They have. Yes. And I've heard this from restaurants. Like if you get this inspector, you're screwed because they are like very meticulous yes and yep. then if you get this inspector they don't care so how is that fair or like a restaurant bought a restaurant that i know and she was like i cannot believe how gross that oh, kitchen was listen and that they weren't flagged yeah. all over the place I, i've heard that story more than i can tell you and that they had to like peel away years of grease and disgustingness and so you know but that, but that they inspection. were never inspected yep. yeah or maybe or maybe they got paid off or i don't know i just think it creates a false sense of security also and i think it creates um you know for the ones who love to like you know put the nails to people what that feels like yeah i don't know i don't know it is kind of weird i i I have multi-feelings although if it does if it and here's the other side from my kitchen days if it does spur someone on to be cleaner then i'm happy for it because there are restaurants that are lazy and they they their kitchen managers are lazy and it's like they're like you know they things are on the floor and they're properly you know stored wrongly i feel this way about bars sometimes because i've worked in a lot of bars yeah and you do get fruit flies on occasion but if you sit down at a bar and you're like swarmed with fruit flies. Oh, that's, I hate that. That's a dirty bar. Yeah. Like occasionally they come and occasionally they go. But yeah. when you're like feeling like it's more than one and it's continual, that place is dirty and needs to clean it up. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm going to say about fruit flies. That's what you're going to say about fruit yeah. flies. See, I got all amped up the last Woo! 20 minutes of the show. Stickers. I- Who knew it was going to be stickers? <laughs> stickers is the problem. <laughs> I'm going to start giving you a sticker after each show. That's right. Hey, you did a great job today. Here's a sticker. If you like more of this uh, (laughs) Stephanie Hansen business, I am going to be filling in again with Jason uh, and Alexis and Dawn uh, for Alexis with Kenny this week, Monday through Friday. And so, yeah, there's that. Um, Is there anything that that you want to talk about as far as like food trends that you are personally the most excited for or that you are so glad are going to be gone? I'm excited for Korean fried chicken. Okay. I'm excited for Korean food in general, West African food, Middle Eastern food. I really like the unique variety of flavors. I'm excited for the um, Vinai. Yeah, food. Vinai. Yeah. We're I gonna, like ethnic food because right. I don't cook it at home, so I like to eat it. I'm excited for more intentionally great food that is not fussy to come to the Twin Cities, like like what Yi is yeah. cooking. Like, I'm excited for more cuisines and more spices, more flavors. I just expand. Expand, expand, expand. Woo! And on that note... All right, everybody, have a great 2020! Happy New Year! Ciao, ciao!